Section four of the Secret House by Edgar Wallace. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter four. It was a bad night in London, not wild or turbulent, but swathed to the eyes like an eastern woman in a soft grey garment of fog. It engulfed the walled canyons of the city, through which the traffic had roared all day, plugged up the maze of dark side streets, and blotted out the open squares. Close to the ground it was thick, viscous, impenetrable, so that one could not see a yard ahead and walked ghost-like adventuring into a strange world occasionally it dispersed in front of the jollity theatre numbers of arc-lights wrought a wavering mist-hung yellow space into which a constant line of vehicles like monstrous shiny beetles emerged from the outer nowhere disgorged their contents and were eclipsed again and pedestrians in gay processional streamed across the rudy glistening patch like figures on a slide conspicuous in the shifting throng was a sharp-faced boy ostensibly selling newspapers but with a keen eye upon the arriving vehicles suddenly he darted to the curb where an electric coupe had just drawn up a man alighted heavily and turned to assist a young woman for an instant the lad's attention was deflected by the radiant vision the girl wrapped in a voluminous cloak of ivory colour was tall and slim with soft white throat and graceful neck her eyes under shadowy lashes were a little narrow but blue as autumn mist and sparkling now with amusement watch your steps auntie she warned laughingly as a plump elderly little lady stepped stiffly from the coop these london fogs are dangerous the boy stood staring at her, his feet as helpless as if they had taken root to the ground. Suddenly he remembered his mission. His native impudence reasserted itself, and he started forward. "'Paper, sir?' he addressed the man. For a moment it seemed as though he were to be rebuffed, then something in the boy's attitude changed his mind. As the man fumbled in an inner pocket for change, the lad took a swift inventory. The face beneath the tall hat was a powerful oval, paste-colored, with thin lips, and heavy lines from nostril to jaw. The eyes were close-set and of a turbid gray. "'It's him,' the boy assured himself, and opened his mouth to speak. The girl laughed amusedly at the spectacle of her companion's passion for news in this grimy atmosphere, and turned to the young man in evening dress who had just dismissed his taxi and joined the group it was the diversion the boy had prayed for he took a quick step toward the older man tbs he said in a soft but distinct undertone the man's face blanched suddenly and a coin which he held in his large white gloved palms slipped jingling to the pavement the young messenger stooped and caught it dexterously tbs he whispered again insistently here the answer came hoarsely the man's lips trembled watchin this theatre splits by the million footnote splits detectives end of footnote finished the boy promptly and with satisfaction under the cover of returning the coin he thrust a slip of white paper into the other's hands then he wheeled ducked to the girl with a gay little swagger of impudence threw a lightning glance of scrutiny at her young escort and turning was lost in the throng the whole incident occupied less than a minute, and presently the four were seated in their box, and the gay strains from the overture of The Strand Girl came floating up to them. 
i wish i were a little street gammon in london said the girl pensively fingering the violets at her corsage think of the adventures don't you frank frank doughton looked across at her with smiling significant eyes which brought a flush to her cheeks no he said softly i do not the girl laughed at him and shrugged her round white shoulders for a young journalist frank you are too obvious too delightfully verdant you should study indirection subtlety finesse study our mutual friend count poltavo she meant it mischievously and produced the effect she desired at the name the young man's brow darkened he isn't coming here to-night doughton asked in aggrieved tones the girl nodded her eyes dancing with laughter what can you see in that man doris he protested i'll bet you anything you like that the fellow's a rogue a smooth soft smiling rascal lady dinsmore he appealed to the elder woman do you like him oh don't ask aunt patricia asked the girl she thinks him quite the most fascinating man in london don't deny it auntie i shan't said the lady calmly for it's true count poltavo she paused to inspect through her lorgnette some newcomers in the opposite box where she got just a glimpse of a grey dress in the misty depths of the box the whiteness of a gloved hand lying upon the box's edge count poltavo is the only interesting man in london he is a genius she shut her lorgnette with a snap it delights me to talk with him he smiles and murmurs gay witticisms and quotes talleyrand and lucullus and all the while in the back of his head quite out of reach his real opinions of you are being tabulated and ranged neatly in a row like bottles on a shelf doris nodded thoughtfully i'd like to take down some of those bottles she said some day perhaps i shall they're probably labelled poison remarked frank viciously he looked at the girl with a growing sense of injury of late she had seemed absolutely changed towards him and from being his good friend with established intimacies she had turned before his very eyes into an alien almost an enemy more beautiful than ever to be true but perverse mocking impish she flouted him for his youth his bluntness his guileless transparency but hardest of all to bear was the delicate derision with which she treated his awkward attempts to express his passion for her to speak of the fever which had taken possession of him almost against his will and now he reflected bitterly with this velvet fop of a count looming up as a possible rival with his savoir-faire and his absurd penchant for literature and art what chance had he a plain briton against such odds unless as he profoundly believed the chap was a crook he determined to sound her guardian mr farrington he asked aloud what do you think hallo he sprang up suddenly and thrust out a supporting arm farrington had risen and stood swaying slightly upon his feet he was frightfully pale and his countenance was contracted as if in pain he lifted a wavering hand to his head with a supreme effort he steadied himself doris he asked quickly i meant to ask you where did you leave lady constance the girl looked up in surprise i haven't seen her to-day she went down to great bradley last night didn't she auntie the elder woman nodded vanish and not a little discourteous i think she said leaving her guests and motoring through the fog to the country i sometimes think constance dex is a trifle mad i wish i could share your views said farrington grimly he turned abruptly to doughton look after doris he said i have remembered an engagement 
he beckoned to frank with a scarcely perceptible gesture and the two men passed out of the box have you discovered anything he asked when they were outside about what asked frank innocently a grim smile broke the tense lines of mr farrington's face really he said dryly for a young man engaged in most important investigations you are casual oh the tollington business said the other no mr farrington i have found nothing i don't think it is my game really investigating and discovering people i am a pretty good short story writer but a pretty rotten detective of course it is awfully kind of you to have given me the job don't talk nonsense snapped the older man it isn't kindness it's self-interest somewhere in this country is the heir to the tollington millions i am one of the trustees to that estate and i am naturally keen on discovering the man who will relieve me of my responsibility there is a hundred pounds awaiting the individual who unearths this heir he glanced at his watch there is one other thing i want to speak to you about and that is doris they stood in the little corridor which ran at the back of the boxes and frank wondered why he had chosen this moment to discuss such urgent and intimate matters he was grateful enough to the millionaire for the commission he had given him though with the information to go upon looking for the missing tollington heir was analogous to seeking the proverbial needle but grateful for the opportunity which even this association gave him for meeting doris gray he was quite content to continue the search indefinitely you know my views the other went on he glanced at his watch again i want doris to marry you she is a dear girl the only human being in the world for whom i have any affection his voice trembled and none could doubt his sincerity somehow i am getting nervous about things that shooting which i witnessed the other night has made me jumpy go in and win he offered a cold hand to the other and frank took it then with a little jerk of his head and a muttered shan't be gone long he passed into the vestibule and out into the foggy street a shrill whistle brought a taxi from the gloom la savoy said farrington he sprang in and the cab started with a jerk a minute later he thrust his head from the window you may drop me here he called he descended and paid his fare i'll walk the rest of the way he remarked casually bit thickish on foot to-night sir offered the driver respectfully better let me set you down at the hotel but his fare was already lost in the enveloping mist farrington wrapped his muffler closely about his chin pulled down his hat to shadow his eyes and hurried along like a man with a set destination presently he halted and signalled to another cab crawling along close to the curb End of chapter 4 Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California Shaggybark.blogspot.com